Welcome to the Self-Interrogation Podcast. I'm your host, Uncle Coop, your favorite uncle's favorite uncle. And today we're talking about moon landings, Ric Flair, putting your dog in a cage, and a couple other topics. This is the first episode that uh, myself and my good friend Lambo conducted for a podcast that we never actually followed through on. If you heard the last episode, you know where that went. And this was the first of our episodes that uh, is now here on self-interrogation. And this is the last of those episodes. So enjoy, and uh, I'll talk to you at the end. Okay, so to get this started, question number one. Did we fake the moon landings? Are you a believer as several of us, you could say? I'm, I'm one of those. Did we fake the moon landings? What's your thoughts? Okay. Five questions time. Love it. Was really expecting some great questions from you, Coop, and uh, you delivered on four of the five. This first one is not that is not one of those one of those four. Did we fake the moon landing? To be completely honest with you, I have never thought about this. I've heard about the conspiracy theorists out there that said we did. My whole theory on the who thing on the uh, entire thing has always been big deal if we did. We faked the moon landing. We did it as a one up against the Soviets the Russians, or whoever they were at that time. So, let's let, let's take a look at both possibilities. Yes, we faked the moon landing. Oh, guess what? The government has lied to us. That never happens. I'm shocked. Let's take a look at the other option. No, we didn't land on the moon. Okay. We spent a whole bunch of money. We actually went to the moon. Guess what? There wasn't anything there. Nothing. There was nothing there. There was no reason to go there. Somebody somewhere decided, hey, let's go to the moon. The Russians are, are trying to go to the moon. Let's get there first. Like there was some big, big, big gala going on up at the moon. We got to get to the dance before the Russians. I'm glad I wasn't alive during that time. I would have just been beside myself. This is so S9, off the wall, stupid. It's like we just had a, uh, a trunk full of money. We didn't know what to do with it. Hey, I got an ideas. Let's go up to the moon. Dumb. I, uh, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to answering your other four questions. This one, this one was not that great. So when I return the favor, you can be sure that all five questions are going to be thought-provoking and something that is really, really going to make you think. Two minutes, ten seconds. Short answer. Did we go to the moon? Did we fake the moon landings? Long story short, who really cares? You, you know, it's people like you, and I, I really enjoy people like you. I, I think after all these years, we've got a relationship, a friendship, a partnership, whatever you want to call our engagement with each other. It's been great. I can't recall one period of time since I've known you that I've thought, I want to punch that guy in the throat. But right now, <laughs> I mean, I am so close. 
How do you justify saying, who cares if we fake the moon landing? Uh, who cares if our government lied to us? Who cares if we spent billions of dollars um, to lie to the American people or we lied to the American people to generate billions of dollars? You know, there's multiple ways to flip that one. Uh, first, I care, okay? Um, I care a lot. One, I am deeply into all things space. It's a big deal to me. And since it's a big deal to me, it should be a big deal to you. Um, you as in Nick. Other people, no, whatever. You don't have to care. We don't. We possibly don't have a relationship. But you and I, Nick, we do. Another thing, um, to just say it's not a good question, but then you have some quite a detailed answer or reply there for two minutes of your rebuttal or ramble, as I would rather call it, because you didn't answer the question. You can't just take the easy way out and say, who cares? Did we fake the moon landing or did we not? Here's my justification behind the question, or really the, my thought behind the answer. Yes, we faked the moon landings. However, I do still believe that we have sent man to the moon. Um, but yes, I believe we faked it. Science tells us that we faked it for a reason because, uh, at that time, the Van Allen radiation belts that we knew would cause a lot of problems for us, they existed then the same as they exist now. Uh, so we, we didn't want to just throw people out there and say, hey, we're going to send some people to the moon that we know are likely going to die either during the trip or shortly after. So we've got some people willing to die, willing to go up there, but we're just to save face. We're going to just fake this, make some money, um, beat out the Soviets. And, you know, there's lots of reasoning behind faking it. Just because we don't agree with or don't know, you can't just throw it aside and say, who cares? There's lots of reasons to care. Here's an interesting tidbit for you. Did you know they've done a study that people are so set in their beliefs when it comes to the moon landings, religion, you know, things of that nature, that even if we were to come out, so they did this study that said, if... If they came out and said, hey, we faked the moon landings, 100% fake, here's why we did it, here's all the proof that we faked it, um, did you know that the majority of people who believe that we went to the moon would still believe that we went to the moon, even if presented with all of the facts saying we did otherwise by the people who faked it? There is your reason to care because humanity is so easily brainwashed. That's a problem. Uh, there should never be a state where you are so convinced in your beliefs that even when presented with the facts by the people who, you know, who know that you still refuse to believe. You know, I mean, it's just it's asinine. Anyways, uh, I'm looking forward to this back and forth. This is this is good. One, you believing that your five questions will be better than mine. It's not a competition. Um, if it was, 
you already lost because you didn't even answer question number one. Anyways, uh, number two, I'm going to dive into the other answers that you provide, and uh, we're going to see where your mindset is. I'm already unimpressed. Um, So here's to the rest of this podcast. This is going to be good. I can see much longer than I anticipated because um, originally I was thinking we got 10 minutes of content here. I'm already at five minutes on this reply here. And oh, man. All right. So thanks for everyone who stuck with us this far. It's only going to get better from here. And uh, next segment back in a few moments. Okay. So Next up, this one's going to hit home for a lot of people here in Ohio. LeBron James, this summer, win or lose, make it to the finals or not, just take all of that out of the equation because it it shouldn't matter. He stays or he leaves. Will LeBron leave Cleveland again? This is a much better question. Question number two, LeBron James. Will he stay? Will he go? He left once, won two championships. For whatever reason, he decided to come back to the cesspool of humanity known as Cleveland. And he actually did win a championship, but it took an act, an act of of the God Almighty. Down 3-1. Then, uh, if I remember correctly, I think Clay Thompson got kicked out of a game. I think Steph was hurt. And they ended up winning one. So now his contract is up yet again. And the question is, will he go somewhere other than Cleveland? I think to answer this question, we need to dig deep into the bigger philosophical question, which is, why in the world would anyone live in Cleveland, Ohio? Have you ever been there There is no reason to live in that city unless, unfortunately, you were born in and around the surrounding area of Cleveland and you have no reason to leave other than the pride that you feel for your hometown. I have been to Cleveland several times and every time when I arrived, I was counting the hours down to when I could leave. So if you are LeBron James, you are a traveled athlete. You're one of the top five, in my opinion, one of the top five athletes in the last hundred years, especially if we're just talking about a specific sport. So this week, even even in Cincinnati, which is almost out of Ohio. It has, there, there was two times this week where I had the top off on my convertible and it snowed the next day. I'm driving to work right now. It is the 9th of April and there is snow on the ground. I can only imagine what it looks like up in Cleveland. So if I had the option, if I was LeBron James and someone's going to pay me a truckload of money to leave one of the biggest armpits of a city in this entire United States. I'm still I'm still dumbfounded that he went back. He probably felt guilt from the whole ESPN decision 
taking my silence to South Beach. My prediction, he's leaving Cleveland. He's never coming back. He's going someplace warm. He owns two or three houses in Los Angeles. I, I think LeBron is heading west, and I think he is never coming back. I'm still shocked that he came back the first time. If you're going to give me money to leave a cesspool of humanity known as Cleveland, Ohio, I'm, I'm doing it. The first time I went to Cleveland was uh, 2011 to watch the Bengals home opener against the Browns. This was Andy Dalton and A.J. Green's first game. They were both, you know, one, two draft picks, first round, second round, starting their first game against Cleveland. I can't tell you how just off the wall being like you have never believed before walking into that stadium and the stuff that they said to us we win the game Bengals win the game with our backup quarterback in the second half on a on a uh, I don't want to say it was a trick play but we, we caught we caught the, the Cleveland defense napping and uh, touchdown to AJ Green right side of the field I can remember like it was yesterday Walking out of that stadium was one of the best feelings ever. All the smack that they talked to us walking in. Even at the pancake house for breakfast, we were getting we were getting shit from everyone. From everyone. Old ladies giving us the finger. Well, you know what? LeBron, get the hell out of Cleveland. So if LeBron James leaves, I'm I'm okay with that. My only request is that LeBron James cannot go to Philadelphia, and that's it. Uh, I like Ben Simmons. I like Joel Embiid. I like J.J. Redick as a role player. I like everything they've got going in Philadelphia. I was hyping them up when they were losing. I think back in October before the season started, I said, this is my team, win, lose, or draw, whatever. I'm, I'm a fan of the Sixers and where they're headed. I don't want LeBron James ruining that. And if you don't understand how he can ruin that, you have no idea uh, what's really going on in Philadelphia because his style of play will 100% corrupt what they have and their future is looking great and he just needs to stay out of there. Aside from that, uh, you're pretty harsh on Cleveland. Uh, Last I checked, Pittsburgh um, and... um, What's that crap city up in Michigan? Uh, Detroit. Um, those should be your two worst cities. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just that are mainstream popular. You know, I come from West Virginia where there's this little place called Huntington that will make all those places look incredible. But um, and I'm pretty sure we still got Gary, Indiana out there. So take it easy on Cleveland as a city. Uh, it's bad, but it's not the worst. Um I personally don't, I just don't know if I think he's going to leave. I, I, maybe it's just that I don't care. I just want him to stay out of Philadelphia. Um, I don't know what benefits he has staying in Cleveland. There's nothing more to prove. Um, you beat the best team who had the best record of all time, came back from down 3-1. I mean, and you came and gave 
Dan Gilbert money. You put more money in his pocket, gave him a championship after the way he uh, trashed, talked, and you know berated LeBron when he left. There is no way that should have happened. So I say he's a better man than most for going back and uh, and doing that. But ultimately, I I guess I hope he stays, stay in Cleveland, keep getting to the finals, keep losing. And rack up those L's so that we can quit debating all this. Is LeBron as good uh, or is better than Jordan? It's, it's not happening. It's never happening. Um, we don't even need to think about having that debate or conversation later because it's a waste of everybody's time. Jordan's the GOAT, period. Um, but, yeah, LeBron, just stay out of Philadelphia. Right, here's another one that, for me, uh, there's no question. It, it, one is clearly the standout over the other. I know that for anyone who, um, who, who watched professional wrestling as a kid, you're pretty much one side or the other. Um, and I don't even know if it's really swayed as an adult for some, but for me, um, it definitely changed as an adult looking back and seeing the history of it all. But... Who had the better career, Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair? Of all of your questions, this is going to be the one that I'm going to enjoy answering the most. Who had a better career, Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan? I don't know if you're going to like my answer, but I have a very strong opinion on this. So, if you were a young child growing up in the mid to late 80s, early 90s, like myself, like you, and you watched wrestling, you obviously gravitated towards Hulk Hogan. He was the good, he was the good guy. Take, uh, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Good, good triumphs over evil. That's his character. Ric Flair, woo! He was the heel. He was the bad guy. He was the guy that you're supposed to hate. So if we're talking watching professional wrestling, dictating who you were supposed to like, the children, the teens the preteens, whoever watched professional wrestling was supposed to like Hulk Hogan and was supposed to dislike Ric Flair. Now, if the question is who had the better career overall, hands down, Ric Flair was the better wrestler. Ric Flair was the better actor. Ric Flair was the, turns out, Ric Flair was a thousand percent a better role model than Hulk Hogan if we're talking about the actual person and not the persona if, if, if anybody has not seen the 30 for 30 documentary on Ric Flair I would, I would encourage you to stop whatever you're doing right now and go watch it so Ric Flair if I remember correctly was a very talented athlete and for whatever reason 
his parents just did not give a damn about him at all. I don't remember if he was if he was um, adopted or, or whatnot, or if he was a foster child, but he always grew up with that chip on his shoulder that no matter what he did, you know, his parents just didn't care. I think he got a scholarship to college. I, I, I don't want to. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ruin the documentary for you. But the trials and tribulations that you have as an adult dealing with fame and, and, and fortune and the, the persona that you, uh, that you are portraying as your character and not to give anything away, but he tried to live it. And he did for the majority of his life until he, he almost died about a year ago. The, the doctors were saying, you know, it does not look good. I think he has about a 10 to 20% chance of living. And uh, he pulled through. About seven or eight months ago, this might have been right before he got sick, there was a video that went viral of him. I think he's, he was well into his 70s, and it was a video of him deadlifting 400 pounds. So let's take a look at Hulk Hogan. Now, if we're going to talk about the post-career Hulk Hogan, here's what comes to mind. He had one of the very first reality shows. was moderately successful. He went through a very public divorce with his wife. He started dating some guy that was 19, so, I mean, that's going to mess you up. If you don't know about the controversy about him and Bubba the Love Sponge, I'm just going to leave it at that, but go Google it because it set a, uh, a precedent in the, in the legal court system as far as what, you, what right to privacy and expectation of privacy. So go look that up. Make sure when you look that up, there's no children around. And, um, you know, some stuff's come out about Hulk Hogan that, that is quite frankly quite troubling. So the real question is, when we were watching them as children in professional wrestling, were they both taking on a persona of the exact opposite person that they really were? And that's the question I'll leave, leave to you with, Coop. All right, all right, all right. All right. Woo! That should say it all. Ric Flair had a better career, and that's not taking anything away from Hulk Hogan. Here's my reasoning for Ric Flair having the better career. One... The man is still living the life of a WWE, WWF, whatever you may remember. He's still living the superstar life. He's still engaged. He hasn't taken any time away except when he was, you know, ill, hospitalized, all that. We're going back to, I mean, I know early 80s, but maybe before, you know, before the popularity hit, um, it's not like Rick's a spring chicken. He's, a, he's an old guy, so he may have been wrestling in the 80s, but I mean the 70s. But in the 80s, it all started. We knew who the nature boy was. We knew all about the houses, the limousines. Uh, we knew who and who wasn't getting that ride on Space Mountain. It was all there. And 
the man not only lived it on the screen and in the ring, but everything we've seen tells us that he lived it off the screen to the best of his ability. Um, I, I've never seen anyone who was asked about Ric Flair's lifestyle put a contradiction behind what he portrayed in WCW, NWA, WWF, WWE. He did it all. Now, Hulk Hogan, like you said, he's the one that if you were a kid, you were supposed to like Hulk Hogan. Uh, Flair was for the adult. He was for the um, the person who wanted to portray money, power, prestige, all that good stuff. Hulk Hogan, I mean, if you weren't a kid, it was really hard to like Hulk Hogan. Kind of like today where it's, if you're not a kid, it's hard to appreciate what John Cena brings to uh, professional wrestling. Now, also... Hulk Hogan, he had his time away multiple times. Um, and I think in each time that Hogan has gone away and then come back, he's come back uh, with less fanfare because of whatever issues may be behind. You know, some speculated before he only came back for some money. I doubt that. I'm sure Hogan's was very highly paid, very intelligent with his contracts for both WCW and WWE, but um, in regards to you know, just keeping that constant fan base, there's never been a person who liked Ric Flair that ever stopped liking Ric Flair, whereas if you were a kid 8, 9, 10 years old by the time you turned 14, 15, 16, you were probably done with Ric Flair if you were still watching wrestling at all. I'm sorry, you were probably done with Hulk Hogan if you were still watching wrestling at all. Um, the one thing I can say about Hogan that really projected him back to superstar, megastar status and bought in fans he probably didn't originally have was when he went to the NWO and... Anyone who was watching WCW in the 90s was watching for NWO, and he made that impact just perfect. He really changed the whole game of big super groups in professional wrestling. But again, once that switched back over to uh, W, you know, went from WCW transitioned over to WWE, wasn't the same. Um, Again, Hogan left. Then there's the scandals. Now there, there is no Hogan anywhere to be found on the WWE Network, even though this man basically built the WWE. Um, so I would say all in all, not only is the Nature Boy truly the Nature Boy, um, Hulk Hogan, he wasn't the all-American dream. He's got his scandals. He may or may not be a racist. I don't care. I mean, those who know about that whole issue, they know what I'm talking about. Um, the other issues out there, some of them are probably true. There's enough out there on Hulk Hogan to tell you that he was not who he said he was. And I think that's okay, because a lot of kids, they bought into it. They appreciated it. They got what they needed from 
uh, from Hogan, the wrestler, the entertainer. And luckily back then, we didn't have the social media and the contact with these superstars that is available today. So, you know, we didn't have to find out that he wasn't who he said he was. But again, Ric Flair, he's the man. He's the best all around to me when it comes to start to finish wrestling career. I'd say he had the, the better. And anyone who disagrees, that's fine. You're wrong, but that's fine. On to the next one. I'm going to let you give your thoughts on this one because I really don't have any, no opinion at all. But I know more Ohioans are going to love this. Who's more disappointing, Cincinnati Reds or the Cincinnati Bengals? I'm going to attempt to answer the fourth question without any alcohol, which with it being 7.30 in the morning shouldn't be too difficult. But as I'm sure you know, this one hits home. So the question again, who has been more disappointing Cincinnati Reds or the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think all of the above was an option. Both teams have had recent, and I mean recent, within the last five years. When you think about sports franchises and devastating losses, there's usually only one or two come to mind. I could probably fill up a composition notebook on devastating losses that both franchises have occurred within the last, just within my lifetime. Just within my lifetime. Unfortunately, I think that this has had a bigger impact on the Cincinnati sports fan than it has on anyone else. And let me Whenever, let, let me explain. Everybody in this city expects their team to lose. And that is a terrible, terrible place to be for anyone involved in sports. I'm pretty sure that the players do not expect to lose. The people who are actually on the field, they don't expect to lose. But everybody in the stands, everybody watching, if you're rooting for a team and the team has Cincinnati on its its jersey, they expect them to lose. And even when loss is 99% not going to happen, there has been so many times when the win probability for our teams has been 99% plus, that we have lost. Think about the Reds' playoff series against the Giants. We go out to San Francisco, and I mean, we hand it to them for two games. We returned to Cincinnati for three games. The Reds had not lost three games in a row all year let alone at home. One of the best home records in all of baseball. We lose the first game, close game. 
We should have won the game, if you remember correctly. I believe Brandon Phillips had a really bad base running error. I think we lost the game by one. That error doesn't happen. The game is either tied or we have a lead. We lose that game. We lose the second game. This is how bad the sports fans are in this in this city. The third game is played a day game. It was a day game. I believe it was a Thursday. Game was starting at 1 or 2 o'clock. And I'm having breakfast. I had to work that day, as I'm sure you did. I'm having breakfast. I get up on I get on StubHub. There are tickets to this playoff game, this deciding playoff game for the series for $3. For $3 because the entire city had written them off. They're not going to win. I'm not going to go watch it. So you know what I did? I called our boss at the time, a man you and I both know, and I said, hey, they got $3 tickets to the Reds playoff game today. He said, Take the day off. Go watch our Reds win one. What happened? Buster Posey, Grand Slam. They got it within, to I think, a run or two, but they lost. They lost. I can't even talk about the recent Bengals playoff playoff loss. I was there. I... Uh, I, I say this with all sincerity, and I and I realize that I haven't had events in my life to trump this, and I'm very grateful for that. Might have been, might have been the worst day of my life. So, <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. Again, I know that there will be days in my life that will be worse than that, but at this point, going the highs and the lows of that game and and it, it's just something that I have to block out I can't even think about if I if I there was no reason there was no reason for the for the Bengals to lose that game none none whatsoever but that's what we've become accustomed to in Cincinnati I'm going a little long-winded on this one because of the recent thing that just happened 2 weeks ago NCAA tournament Xavier's a 1 seed UC's a 2 they're both playing in Nashville, close for our fans, 200, 250 miles away. UC is up 22 points against Nevada with seven minutes to go. I'm going to say that again. They're up 22 points with seven minutes to go, and they lose the game by two. Xavier is up 12 points with 10 minutes to go against Florida State. They lose the game. But the effect that it has on this on the on the on the sports fans in this city, I think, is is the biggest impact. And I just get to the point to where I don't like talking Cincinnati sports with anybody because it always, and I mean always starts out on a negative tone. And that's something that I look forward to to not having at some point in my lifetime. Maybe, hopefully. Your thoughts, Coop? My last question, and this may anger some people. They may not think much about it at all. I know how I feel about it, and I'll give you my answer after I hear yours. But agree or disagree, 
it's okay to put your dog in a cage when you leave the house. Let me know. Funny thing about the English language is you can say two different phrases and they would mean two different things. It's okay to leave your dog in a cage when you leave? The correct answer is it's okay to leave your dog in a cage when you leave your house. If you talk to people who house-sit dogs for a living, crate training works, I don't know what about your brain would think that they don't know what they're talking about. Oh, it's mean to the dog. I believe that they actually enjoy being in the crate when they're in there. I've been told that several times. But not a real long-winded answer on this one. When we, when we got our dog, we got our dog from our breeder about 10 years ago. The breeder said, here's how you, here's how you house train them. And it worked exactly as they said. Now, if you get a rescue and they have bad habits, it might be a little bit more difficult. But let me ask you this. Do you feel worse putting your dog in a cage than you do cleaning dog crap off your entire house? I don't know if you know this or not, but dog crap doesn't smell great. And if a dog happens to crap in a very small contained environment, I would take that over crap on my couch, on my carpet. Sure, they could go in the kitchen floor where it would be easy to clean up, but they never go there. They're going to crap on the most expensive piece of furniture you have. Let's not even talk about pee. They pee on your carpet, you're done. That's there forever. I don't care what anybody says. You can try calling Widmer's. You're, it's time for new carpet. When we bought our house, they had a cat, peed all over one of the rooms. We ripped the carpet out. Had to get kills for the baseboards. It was awful. Put your dog in a crate. So here's the deal. Next time we hang out, next time we do anything together, I'm going to bring a cage and you're just going to hang out in that cage the whole time we're together, okay? Um, I don't want to hear any complaining. I don't want to, you know, any looks up out of the cage like, Coop, uh, let me out of the cage. Nah, you just hang out in there, okay? Here's my belief here. And I, I'm not for any animals being in captivity. I don't appreciate zoos. I don't appreciate you know, uh, SeaWorld, all that stuff. It's, there was a point in time where you could educate people with the zoo. You could educate people about, you know, you know, wildlife and sea life and all that good stuff in these, in these amusement facilities that we 
now still used for some reason to hold animals captive. So, as you can probably expect, I don't agree with putting your dog in a cage. I don't care if it's big, medium, small. No. If you don't have a place that your animal, whether it's a dog, a cat, a monkey, whatever, can move around freely and exercise its right to jump, roll over, sit down, hop, I don't know, whatever, at will. You don't need a dog. If your dog has to sit in a cage and just move six to eight inches left or right, can't jump, it just drives me crazy. There's so much anger I have for seeing any dog in a cage. If you don't have a basement, a small little connected outdoor porch that you can make sure your dog doesn't go outside. You have a big backyard you can let them out in and they can come freely in and out of the house. You probably just don't need a dog. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person because you put your dog in a cage. But you probably could be a better person if you didn't. You know, like... Nick, once again, if I put you in, let's say, a little cubicle, and I tell you, hey, Nick, I'm going to I'm gonna jet out of here, and uh, I'll come back in about 13 hours, and I'll let you out, And but until then, you can't leave, don't go more than two feet to your left, and two feet to your right, sorry, uh, oh, you, you want to go get some more toys to play with? or whatever it is you do in your free time, sorry, you're going to have to wait about 12, 13 hours till I get back. And I might take you outside to do whatever you want to do for a couple minutes then and pretend that I'm engaging with you, but probably not, because if I'm that crappy of a dog owner, then I'm going to lock you up like a criminal that period of time. I'm probably not even going to be that engaged when you when I'm home with you. You know, i got to cook dinner. <laughs> I got to do some project for work. Uh, you know, I probably just don't need to have you as my pet. That's the bottom line. Now, if you know that you're not going to be around, but you've got the space in a basement that your dog can run free, put them in the basement. Uh, you don't want them peeing on your couch. You know, there's other options out there besides just throwing them in a cage. Also, don't get a dog that you don't plan on getting trained. You can't afford to get them trained, don't get a dog. Uh, Don't get a dog that you don't plan to keep. That's another thing, dear God. People who get dogs, and then six years later, they're like, ah, I just don't, don't, don't want a dog anymore. Or nine months later, oh, it got bigger than I expected, I can't, no. You're in, sorry, you know. When your, your kid turns five or six and they're a little chubby, you don't just say, well, you're eating a little bit more than I wanted. I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to put you out. Nope, you're committed. So bottom line, Coop's opinion is if you got to put your dog in a cage, you probably shouldn't have a dog. Now, if you're already committed, you already have a dog, you're already putting them in a cage, and you're thinking, man, Coop's right. I should just get rid of my dog don't do that. I'd rather you put your dog in a cage a little bit 
then get rid of your dog. Your dog loves you. Unless you're just a real crappy person. Um, even though you're crappy enough to put them in a cage, they still love you. So keep them. Just start working on a plan to, to get them out of there. Okay? Um, see, even just talking about it, Nick, now I don't want to put you in a cage. Because I don't want to see you look up suffering, crying, Coop, let me out. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you. Because we're friends. I care about you. You know what I mean? I hope that you care enough about your dog that you're not locking them up in a kettle or whatever you called it. It's a cage, okay? And again, if you don't have a dog and you feel like if you got a dog, you got to lock them up, you don't need a dog. That's it. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. That's the last of the segments that were previously recorded from around March, April, or May. I don't remember. It really doesn't matter because it's here now for your listening pleasure. Uh, Again, I'm your host, Uncle Coop. Yes, I am a real uncle. I'll be back with you soon, at least one or two more episodes before Christmas, and hope everyone has a happy holiday season. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you soon.